Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Leaders of the new Forward Party say that political extremism is ripping our nation apart. And the two major parties have failed to remedy the crisis. And Gallup says that support for a new, for a third U.S. political party is at a high point. Today we're going to talk about this. We'll talk with representatives from the United Utah Party, Constitution Party of Utah, Utah Libertarian Party, and the Green Party of Utah. By the way, we'd love to have your questions or comments. You can best get us uh, today uh, by email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. We welcome in our guests uh, from the United Utah Party, the uh, the chair of the party, uh, Hillary Sterling. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Uh, Constitution Party of Utah Chairman uh, Russ Hatch is joining us. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, Utah Libertarian Party, their chair, uh, Barry Short. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure to be here. And from the Green Party of Utah, Adrian Velarde, who uh, was was uh, past co-chair, also worked on uh, the presidential campaign of Dario Hunter. Um, Adrian Velarde, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Uh, so let me just uh, go around the panel. We'll start with Hillary Sterling. Uh, have you tell me a little bit about yourself and a little bit about uh, about the party you're you're representing, uh, Hillary Sterling first. Thank you. Um, my, uh, again, my name is Hillary Sterling, chair of the UUP. Uh, we began in 2017. Uh, some of you may remember uh, we had to sue to get on the ballot, and Jim Bennett had a couple. He was our first candidate. Had a couple months to campaign and. Um, got 9% of the vote uh, despite those hurdles. Uh, so we were very excited with his run, and um, we've been running candidates ever since. Uh, this year we've got 24 candidates on the ballot and, on federal, state, and county levels, and I'm just excited to um, bring representation to a portion of the state that really isn't represented anymore. Um, with us, we are a moderate centrist party. Uh, we were specifically appealing to those who have been left behind by the national parties and uh, focus on reforms like gerrymandering, voting reforms that will more accurately reflect the will of people, those sorts of things, to um, bring government back into accountability uh, to the people. And so that's kind of where we stand and who we are and um, what we bring to the table. All right. Thank you. Let's turn next to Russ Hatch uh, with the Constitution Party of Utah. Tell us a bit about yourself and, and about your party. Yes, I've been a fairly long-term resident of the state of Utah. I got involved with the Constitution Party about 2006. The party was established in Utah around the year 2000 when we had an, uh, an opportunity to start having candidates on the ballot about 2004. We've had candidates ever since then. Uh, currently, we have uh, five candidates, two for U.S. Congressional Office, two for state off Congressional Office, one for a local municipality. Excellent. Uh, let me turn next to uh, Barry Short with the Utah Libertarian Party. Tell me about yourself and your party. All right. Well, I'm a, I'm a longtime libertarian. I actually became a libertarian and cast my first libertarian vote way back in 1976 for our presidential candidate that year, Roger McBride, uh, who some of you uh, might have heard his name. He was the producer of the show Little House on the Prairie and the uh, the uh, successor, the uh, the manager of the uh, uh, Rosewilder Lane estate. Um, we're a party that believes in the individual. Uh, we we fight for individual rights all the time. And, you know, one of the things that you'll probably hear mentioned a lot during the discussion today, and we've already heard it, is the word accountability. Uh, our goal is to make the uh, government uh, do a whole lot less, and so accountability will be a lot less of an issue uh, because it's, it's just our government today is too pervasive, too invasive in everyone's lives, and we want to roll it back to uh, a much smaller level, uh, where there won't be nearly as much corruption, there won't be the things that it needs to be accountable for, because it simply won't be doing as much. Thank you. And uh, from the Green Party of Utah, um, uh, Adrian Velarde, tell me a bit about yourself and, and the party. Well, uh, I ran in uh, the State Senate District 12 race um, in 2018 uh, as a Green candidate. Um and the Green Party, basically, uh, I guess to put it in a nutshell, is, is this people central. Um, we can't compete 
uh, with the voice of corporations and big money. And, you know, when you have corporations pouring monies into PACs and then distributing out these monies, um, it's hard for the average person to, to have their voice heard. And, and so that is uh, something that, as a Green Party, we, we want to see that sort of uh, improprieties just done away with. Well, let me uh, uh, go around the panel with this uh, question to, to open here as we talk about third parties. And again, um, you know, polls are showing consistently Gallup has uh, started asking this question a few years ago, and they say since 2012, uh, there have been majorities in support of a third U.S. political party. And uh, and this uh, poll that I've been reading here is from 2021, uh, reached a high point. Um, among independents, Republicans, uh, a plurality yeah, among Democrats. Uh, but, you know, of course, really never success on the national level uh, anyway. Um, so I want to ask you first, Hillary Sterling, United Utah Party, well, it, do you think there's a point where a third party will break through, either in Utah or nationally? I do. Uh, historically, there have been some state-level parties that have uh, – gotten people elected to state legislatures and such. And so they do see success on the state level. Um, but so often we're looking at the national level and we're so excited about the national level because that's the presidential race and that's where the high drama is in, in politics and everything. But really, all politics is local. Um, other than the president, every other election, elected official in the entire United States is elected within the boundaries of a state. And um, so we have these big umbrella um, third-party organizations that don't have the state-level, county-level organizations that, uh, for example, the, the Democrats and the Republicans have. They just don't have the infrastructure to be able to compete on the national level. But if you start with the grassroots up, that's historically where there's been success, and that's the, the approach that the UUP is taking. But is there a need? Absolutely. Is there an interest? Absolutely. Uh, historically, you look back to, like, Teddy Roosevelt's Bull Moose Party, or even Ross Perot with the, you know, the Reform Party. Um, they tried to go from the top down, from that presidential level down, and it, that has never worked. But where there, and, and there was a, a lot of interest and excitement then for a third party in both of those moments. Um, but in terms of being able to pull it off, you have to have that grassroots organization, and that's what, unfortunately, it's hard to build. You need people who are passionate and excited about uh, whatever the cause is to build that kind of grassroots organization. And so um, we need to get our moderates fired up. We need to have them excited. These people who are saying we need a third party, well, are you willing to be a precinct chair? Are you willing to um, campaign with a candidate? When we start getting the answer yes to those sorts of questions, then we will see a, a national third party. But until we can get to the point where moderates care enough to do those things, um, uh, it, it's going to be a, a long, hard haul. <laughs> uh, let me follow up uh, with you, Hillary Sterling. Um, sure. you, you say uh, United Utah Party is in favor of reforms, and uh, mm -hmm. you know it might take some reforms for third parties to break through, right? Uh, so. Uh, the, the, this new National Forward Party is talking about that they're in favor of reforms. They've listed some. Ranked choice voting, open primaries, end of gerrymandering, protection of voting rights, making voting very easy. What, what reforms mm -hmm. are you advocating? So for the UUP, um, there's actually a lot of overlap with that. Uh, so with the voting reforms, that uh, ranked choice voting or approval voting, um, either one is better than what we've got. <laughs> and, uh, of course, we, we we're very supportive of the Better Boundaries initiative. We, we definitely want to see uh, voters picking their representatives, not representatives picking their voters. So uh, with these reforms that, um, that we do support, there's a lot of overlap with what the Forward Party wants to see. And, and basically, they're things that will, again, bring government back to accountability to the voters. Uh, we want to see expanded voter participation. We want to see uh, more transparency. Uh, we want to limit partisan influence as a concrete example. There's no reason a school board should be a partisan election. There's no reason a sheriff should be a partisan election. We don't want sheriffs accountable to party bosses. Um, and so 
there are things like that that, uh, again, a lot of overlap with the forward party in terms of what we want to accomplish. Let me turn to uh, Russ. Let me turn to Russ Hatch with Constitution Party of Utah. Uh, so, to, to start with you, the, the same question: uh, What would it take for a third party? What it would it take for the Constitution Party to, to to break through? Well, I think that the Constitution Party represents perhaps a more conservative perspective, uh, foundational roots, things that made our country great uh, seem to be under attack and. I think there's a large number in the electorate that, you know, with traditional family values, things like that, that feel that they're increasingly being less and less represented well in either state or national levels. Um, again, as the comment was earlier, is that I guess there becomes a critical mass, I guess you could say, and it appears that there is something in the uh, voter base that are looking for something different. Um, promises are being made and then constantly not are, are being ignored. And I, and as people waking up to that sense of there could be uh, an alternative to what's been going on with the traditional two-party uh, system that, um, again, as was mentioned earlier, grassroots, it has to take place at that level. Uh, uh, for us in the Constitution Party, we've had uh, a good success here and there uh, at municipal levels, uh, county levels, both here in the state and nationally. We've had um, even uh, congressional, U.S. congressional officeholders from various states uh, having been elected in the past. So we, we do have a proven record that we have uh, office holders and uh, we do have current officers, office holders here in the state of Utah. So, yes, I do believe uh, that uh, the Constitution Party can represent a, a sizable uh, portion of the public that uh, identify with traditional values. Let me uh, ask a follow-up question uh, of you, Russ Hatch. You talked about uh, representation, right? And uh, and this, I'm reading from this op-ed. Uh, the the leaders of the new forward party are uh, on, upon their launch. They cite uh, recent surveys. Uh, two-thirds of voters think neither Democrats nor Republicans have the right priorities. It comes down to representation, right? Um, so you obviously feel the Republican Party doesn't doesn't represent at least enough of your your values. You've gone to a party that better represents your values. Uh, do you think that's the uh, do you think that's the key problem? That the major parties don't represent a majority of Americans. And uh, also the fact that, uh, particularly in the Republicans' case, is that uh, a lot is said but very little is delivered. Um, for uh, the individuals that are within the Constitutional Party, those that take office, if um, they are representing the platform and the principles of the Constitutional Party, they sign a statement saying that they will do such, and uh, they will be removed as a candidate if they violate that oath. So I feel that our candidates are principled in the fact that if we say something, uh, we will do our best to do what we say. Let me turn next to uh, Barry Short, Utah Libertarian Party. Uh, let me ask you first the, the, the question I'm asking everybody. What uh, what would it take for, for libertarians to, to break through, you know, elect, you know, more candidates on the local level and national level? Um, well, we're having a lot of success, actually, electing candidates at the local level. Uh, we have a couple thousand libertarians in offices uh, around the country. We have many libertarians in offices, uh, in particular on city councils here in Utah. Uh, we've had 
We had a candidate for treasurer uh, in 2020 who got the largest raw vote that a libertarian has ever received in Utah, uh, with over 200,000 people casting a vote for a libertarian. Uh, That was more than double our previous record. So we know the growth is happening. And I have to agree with my fellow chairs in that we need to focus on uh, these local-level races because, in fact, when you're talking about – electing a president, electing a governor, uh, any of these kind of positions, uh, people naturally want to be electing somebody they've heard of before and who has a track record of some kind. And the way you build that track record is by being on the city council, being on the county commission, uh, being on uh, you know the zoning board, all of these things. Uh, so we need to be building our bench in order to move forward. That's that's very clear. Um, but I want to talk about one other specific thing uh, that really works against us a lot. Uh, and Ross Perot came up a little earlier in his success in his presidential run. Uh, as a result of Ross Perot's presidential run, there was a huge change that took place in this country, both at the national level and here in Utah. And that is that the debates the debate commissions were established and were taken over entirely by the Republican and Democratic parties so that they, in fact, control who gets to be in debates. And, yes, there are criteria that they say that you have to be hitting in certain polls or whatever, but then they they have a group of different polls that they pick from, and miraculously they always seem to work with pick the five polls out of this pool of 20 uh, where the libertarian or the candidate of any other party has their lowest polling numbers. And of course, when you ask polling questions, you can manipulate to get the results that you want. Um, So in fact, we have a lot of work being done to keep us off the stage. That's not just libertarians, that's Constitution Party, that's United Utah, that's Greens, that's everybody. They keep us out of the competition. And uh, we really need to put our foot down on that and say, it's time to have anybody who is ballot qualified be in our debates. You know, I can tell you that the statistics tell me that when a libertarian is able to be in a debate, they win. Uh, So there's a lot of incentive for Democrats and Republicans to keep us off the stage. Uh, And we need to, uh, we really need to put our foot down, as I said, and get debates back to being open and free debates among all of the candidates who are qualified to be on the ballot. Mm. And I'll note uh, there's perhaps an opening um, here with the Utah Debate Commission, for example. UPR broadcast those uh, debates, and they had a problem this this last primary season. The Republican incumbents, ex- with the exception of one, did, refused to come on. So maybe there's an opening for uh, third-party candidates so may, to be the commission be more open to bringing third-party candidates on. Uh, let me. Uh, well, it would be. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, if, if I may, it would it would be nice if that was the case. But we also had uh, an instance, and I believe this was 2016, uh, in the attorney general's debate, uh, where in fact uh, the the Democrat had withdrawn and was no longer campaigning, and so they had uh, there were three candidates in the race. There was the Republican Sean Reyes, the Democrat, and there was a Libertarian candidate. And when the debate came around, the the Democrat was no longer interested in participating. Our candidate was there at the debate, and the commission wouldn't even let him on the stage. So they gave an hour of free radio and TV time to the Republican candidate by himself in no debate at all. Hmm. So I guess at least from your perspective, some changes needed with the Utah Debate Commission, for example. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Uh, so let's turn to the Green Party of Utah, Adrian Velarde. Uh, uh, same question to you to, to start here. Um, are, are you seeing a success on, in uh, various areas with the Green Party, and uh, what would it take to have more success with the Green Party? Well, we are seeing success at, uh, in various states. Um, some states are doing better than others. Um, we are, There's also a Green Party in Canada that's been doing very well. Um here locally, I, I think what we really need to do is just take the time and listen to people, listen to what they actually have to say, um, and, and just get involved more in the community. Um, with the Green Party of Utah, we are, um, we'll be taking more of a hands-on in the community, helping the community, taking part in the community, getting 
ears out in the community so that we can listen to what the people have to say and, and then represent them as best we can. Um, right now, some of the difficulties that we've had uh, in the past with running candidates is that we simply just can't compete with the big money that the uh, other two parties can throw into a race. Um, we refuse to take uh, corporate monies or PAC money or anything like that. Our donations come directly from the people, um, and then we run our campaigns as best we can with what little we can get. Um, it's uh, kind of like if you think about it like poker. You've got uh, the chip lead, and they can kind of bully out of the, the hand. So in that regards, we can barely get our voices out there or heard because we just don't have the ability to uh, for example, um, hire people to go door-to-door and canvas for us. Uh, it, it literally trying to go toe-to-toe with a drug or not uh, in that financial sense. So limiting or, or even eliminating corporate funding for, for political parties uh, would, I think, go a long way in making it to where other voices can be heard. I want to follow up you with you, Abraham Velarde. You've worked on a national campaign, right? A presidential campaign. Um, where where do you think the the most fertile ground lies? Is it nationally for the Green Party, or is it local? I guess maybe that's a false choice. I don't know. Uh, it, it it all starts from the from the bottom up, as as someone had said earlier. It's uh, it, it is you, you got to be able to build that foundation. If you don't have a strong foundation to build on then when you try to run national offices, it is next to impossible because of lack of rank, uh, name recognition or we're seen as spoilers. You get that, uh, oh, you'll never win kind of uh, mentality. And, and that's already kind of pre-baked into the, the political parties. When you have the Democrats and the Republicans saying, oh, if, you know, don't vote for them or else this other party's going to win or don't, you know, Republicans or Democrats will say, don't vote for, for the Green Party because you're taking votes from us. And then the Republicans win and doom and gloom. And lately that's, that's kind of been the case because the Democrat and, and Republican Party have become the self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, they have become that, you know, lesser of two evils to each other. So they, they throw out, they demonize third party candidates as so that they don't lose their support. Yeah, interesting. Well, I want to follow up on that a little bit later. We're due for a break. Uh, let's take a break. We'll have much more to discuss. We're talking with uh, representatives from uh, third political parties, um, United Utah Party, Constitution Party of Utah, Utah Libertarian Party, and Green Party of Utah. And uh, we're responding to the formation of a new national party, the Forward Party, and polls, which are showing increasing support from uh, people for a third political uh, party. Um, and you're welcome to uh, to chime in with your comment or question. Email is best today, upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. We'll have more following this. Spanish language programming on Utah Public Radio is supported in part by our members. And Cafe Ibis, 52 Federal Avenue in historic downtown Logan. Open seven days a week, featuring triple-certified bird-friendly coffee, espresso bar, beans, brewing tools, and many gift options. Information and ordering at CafeIbis.com. Did you know that people tend to modify the way they talk to match the person they're speaking to? This mirroring of speech patterns is called entrainment, and it's a vital part of communication between conversation partners. While there is substantial research on entrainment in adults, there is a significant gap in understanding how children develop entrainment skills and the impact of certain communication disorders on childhood entrainment. Continuing to learn more about conversation patterns in both typically developing children and adolescents and those with disorders like autism spectrum disorder can help educators and professionals support their development and ensure that all children are able to engage in quality conversations. This segment of Did You Know That has been brought to you by our members and the Emma Eccles-Jones College of Education and Human Services, committed to mentoring tomorrow's educators, researchers, and clinicians, located on campuses in Logan and 26 other sites throughout Utah.
Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Leaders of the new Forward Party say that political extremism is ripping our nation apart and that the two major parties have failed to remedy the crisis. This comes amid uh, polls. Polls have been pretty consistent, showing that Americans, at least they tell the pollsters, they're not satisfied with the two major parties, and they'd be open to a third party. Uh, So we are talking with representatives uh, from uh, four third parties. Um, We're talking with Hillary Sterling, chair of the United Utah Party, uh, Russ Hatch, chairman of the Constitution Party of Utah, Barry Short, chairman of the Utah Libertarian Party, and Abrian Velarde, uh, representing the Green Party of uh, Utah. You can uh, get your comment or question to us by email to upraxcess at uh, gmail.com. Let me start again with Hillary Sterling, United Utah Party. I want to ask you specifically, um, it seems like there's an opening, should be an opening, for moderates, right? And, that, and that's the whole, uh, I guess, the foundation of United Utah Party, as is with the Forward Party, um, because it seems like the two major parties are kind of retreating to their extremes. Um, are, are, I guess, are... Do you share that view? And that it, a lot of people, a lot of people, I guess, would think, uh, "Boy, a moderate party should have more success." What are the barriers? I guess is my question to you. What are the barriers that you see? Sure. Well, first, I, I want to agree with you 100. Um, percent Utah is far more purple than people realize. Uh, a poll from 2018 by Gallup indicated that 41 percent of Utah voters self-identify as some form of conservative. Uh, Forty percent, though, identify as moderate. That's within margin of error. That's, that's kind of impressive, especially in Utah. There is a significant portion of the electorate that's moderate. And um, especially for, like, the Forward Party or the United Utah Party, this does create an opening. So many of the third parties are further to the left than the Democrats or further to the right than the Republicans. This in-between space, this kind of political no-man's land that's been created by this shift to the extremes, um, does create an opening for us. Uh, and we are seeing some success. I, I, I want to congratulate uh, Barry Short on that um, that uh, 200,000 votes. That's a very impressive raw vote. Uh, in 2020, uh, we got 175,000 votes for one of our um, candidates here in Utah. So um, there is a hunger, there is a, a desire, but in terms of how we make how we translate that into uh, success, how we translate in that that into getting people elected. Um, other people have mentioned money is is an issue. Money is the mother's milk of politics, and so uh, that is a challenge. People aren't used moderates are not used to donating, and so that creates um, some of the challenge. Uh, people get fired up and, and vote when they're passionate about something, and moderates a lot of times have checked out. They, they feel like they've been left behind, like politics doesn't serve them, and so they do. And that's, that's why I think I was excited about seeing the Forward Party organized, is it creates some of that excitement. It creates some of that interest. It creates legitimacy for the moderate position, which is something we're just not used to thinking of. We, we talk about, well, they're, they're um, left of center or the right of center. Well, what about where is the center? You know, <laughs> uh, what are we just going to say? Centrist or moderate is a legitimate political position, and and we're seeing that more and more as again as these, uh, especially as Republicans and Democrats push to the extreme. So, uh, in terms of the national level, um, I, there's a, I don't know if it's as strong as it is in Utah, a moderate presence, but. Again, there is that hunger there that creates an opening for the forward party. Um, again, it's a, a matter of can we get organized? Can we get ballot access in all 50 states? And I, I again, um, salute the libertarians for being able to accomplish that. And I know the Green Party is, is uh, has people, you know, organizations nationwide and, and the Constitution Party as well. It's a lot of work even on in one part, one state to, to get that level of organization. Um, and I, I would be excited to see uh, state-level organizations that are moderate all, in all 50 states. Um, when we get to that point, I think that that's where we will have um, enough momentum to uh, demand a place on a debate stage on the presidential level, for example. 
Um, but up to, at this point, it's, it's got to be just the, the knuckle-down hard work of building that grassroots organization. Um, and again, we've had ballot access for the last five years. We've run candidates for the last five years, total 67. Um, so we're small. We're, we're building. But uh, it's got to be um, from the ground up uh, if you want to have long-term success. Let me turn to uh, Russ Hatch with the Constitution Party of Utah. I want to ask you uh, a calculation a person makes. Maybe you can talk about your personal calculation. Um, uh, you know, maybe choosing between a broad tent, one of the major parties, or perhaps you could, you know, maybe have at least, you know, take part in helping to elect more candidates versus uh, a party that you feel represents you better, uh, but, but maybe smaller like the Constitution Party. Uh, I wonder if you, I don't know if you were in the Republican Party before, or you joined the Constitution Party, or uh, talk to me about that calculation. Well, uh, you were talking about supporting other candidates. Uh, the Constitution Party, if we do not have a candidate in a particular office, but we see a candidate that represents our uh, ideals, uh, we will put our support behind that person. Um it's, uh, it's it's extremely difficult as a third party to get that recognition. It's been noted that um, there seems to be uh, a consensus with the establishment that if we get any traction that uh, they will lose their position of authority and power. And I, I think that that's a, a very valid uh, reason that um, they have their bailiwick and, and they want to uh, hold on to it at all costs. And they'll throw out the idea of, well, if you vote for a third-party person, it's a wasted vote. And uh, But people, when they go to the booth to vote, they should be voting on what their own personal value system is, not what someone else says that they should do, but this is an individual choice, it's an individual right that uh, they should express for themselves what they what they want, not have someone tell them what they should vote for. Um, talking about ballot access, uh, that's been a very ex- difficult thing for uh, third parties to get through to, is that some states will have extremely artificially high um, hurdles to jump through to be able to get a position on the ballot and then to maintain that position on the ballot. Because if you don't have so many votes at a statewide level, like in the state of Utah, uh, you will lose that ballot access and you have to go through and get signatures um uh, signed up to, uh, again, get representation. And fortunately uh, for us in the Constitution Party, we've been able to maintain that ballot position by having sufficient numbers uh, to hold uh, our ability to uh, uh, put in candidates at the state level. Um, I, I want to uh, follow up with uh, you, Russ Hatch. You, you talked about, and um, Adrian Velarde talked about this as well. So Russ, Russ uh, Hatch... This, this argument of a spoiler, that, that can be a pretty, you know, it seems like pretty convincing argument for some. Hey, I'd like to vote for the Constitution Party candidate, uh, but if I do, I'll just uh, spoil the race and maybe get a person I don't want uh, to, to come in. Uh, and that, that's true, uh, I guess, until it isn't, right, that thinking. But how, how do you overcome that? Um. Again, a person has to vote their conscience. Um, um, the Constitution Party believes that there is a, a God, a supreme creator, and sooner or later, you know, after we pass through this life, we'll have an accounting. And well, we say that we voted our conscience and voted what we thought to be true and right, regardless of what the person's perspective is. Do you vote for what you believe is right or not? And and so, yeah, there's it's an individual thing. It's a 
um, it's a hard thing to overcome because you get the sway, you know, like, oh, well, Raffinator, that spoiled the vote for the Democrats, and Ross Perot, oh, that spoiled the vote for the Republicans. But again, I think that uh, we need to go back to our own individual principles and and to uh, not be overcome and swayed by... Um, what could be, what might be, uh, oh, you're, you're not, uh, going to be with the group and, um, take it from there. I'll turn next to, I'll turn next to, uh, Barry Short with the Utah Libertarian Party. Uh, I want to ask you, I'd be interested in, uh, in comments on this from, uh, everybody who would take this as we go on Turnbull. I'll start with you on this, uh, Barry Short. I'm interested in your thoughts about what's happening in the U.S. Senate race right now. Uh, this is not a third party. Evan McMullen is an independent, um, but he's been endorsed by the Democrats. And so it, essentially that's a, you know, not, not a Democrat who's now being endorsed to, to run against Mike Lee. Uh, is that a model that, that can work? Would you endorse that kind of a model? Uh, no, I can't really endorse that kind of model. I understand the the idea behind it and in Utah, uh, where it's vi- um, virtually impossible at this point uh, for a Democrat to win a statewide race. So, you know, some people made the decision that it was better to run a Democrat as an independent than to run them as a Democrat, that they thought that might be a slightly better strategy in Utah. But, uh, you know, McMullen's connection to the Democratic Party are undeniable. They're very deep. Um, uh, he first showed up here uh, back in uh, back in 2016 uh, when he was funded by the Democrats specifically to undermine the Libertarian candidate because uh, Utah in in 2016 didn't have much of a taste for either Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton and uh, our candidate Gary Johnson uh, for president uh, was basically polling even it was like a three-way tie very early on in that race and suddenly here came this other Democrat Evan McMullen uh, you know maybe oh well, I'm pro-choice which you know the uh, the the sort of right-wing virtue signaling uh, thing that you can do and and anyway um, I have no respect for Evan McMullen whatsoever I I, I appreciate uh, that some people think we should get him out of Utah, uh, but I can think of other places to send him rather than Washington, D.C. <laughs> I'll just say that the, the McMullen, we'll have to get the McMullen campaign to respond to that. They, they, uh, they, they continually uh, tout their conservative bona fides, for one, for one thing. Um, so um, uh, let me turn to uh, Green Party of Utah, Abram Velarde. Um, I want to follow up on a couple things you said uh, previously. Uh, you talked about the Green Party in Canada has had success, but of course that's a parliamentary system, right? Uh, it's so uh, harder here in the U.S. to try to get a, a third party going. There's some barriers there. We've 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 talked about that. Uh, I want to talk uh, specifically, if you want to respond to that, you can as well, but I want specifically to talk about uh, this. You, you t- use the word self-fulfilling uh, prophecy. Maybe you can add to, to that, expand on that, um, that, uh, you know, you're a spoiler and until you're not, as I <laughs> said earlier. How do, how do you make this not a self-fulfilling prophecy? Well, essentially, when they, they talk about third parties, they you can't, Yes, a third party without trying to make the, the their main opponent sound like the worst evil on on earth, like evil incarnate. Um, and so to do that, they they use third parties as a tool in which to make it sound so life or death that if you vote for a third party, that you condemned the world to to oblivion. Um, and politics, unfortunately, has kind of gone has become exactly what has become that evil. It's become so dire that uh, if you do take a chance and vote on a third party, that you're, you know, so, so they've kind of become that which they predicted they'd be. George Washington, uh, in his farewell address, had predicted this very outcome with the two-party system, with one party becoming so 
corrupt that it can dismantle the, the means of which got someone into power. And, and we're seeing that happen in real time now. So this isn't anything that, that wasn't seen. I mean, George Washington saw this coming hundreds of years ago, you know, and why we're not seeing it now is, is beyond me. But it's at that point to where you have to just stop with that propaganda of a third party can be a spoiler and just draw the line in the sand, say enough is enough. I am not going down this path anymore. Politics has become so divisive, so tribal, that it's, it's us against them. And there's no room for, for rational thought. There's, there's no room to kind of take a deep breath and, and realize that at the end of the day, we're all Americans. We're all on the same team. We just have different ideas on how to get to the same place. We all want security for our children. We all want that uh, security for ourselves and, and, and not to have to worry about where, you know, how we're going to, to take care of our families and how we're getting, you know, choosing between medication and, and paying rent. You know, they're ignoring that because they're too busy weaponizing their voters and, and using us as kind of a pawn in, in the McMullen situation here where, yeah, they're endorsing a, an, an independent, but again, they're playing kingmaker at this point because they want to get rid of, of a Republican and they can't do it themselves as a Democrat. So it just gets so convoluted after a while. Let's take another break. When we come back, we'll just have uh, final statements from our, our panelists. Uh, we'll have about six minutes left when we uh, come back. Uh, we do appreciate them uh, joining us. This is a very important uh, topic. Um, we're uh, kind of jumping off the formation of a new national party, the Forward Party, and uh, talking about uh, third political parties. And so we have representatives from United Utah Party, Constitution Party of Utah, Utah Libertarian Party, and the Green Party of Utah. Uh, on with us today. We'll have more following this. Support for Utah Public Radio comes from listeners like you and the Utah Cheese Awards, presenting the annual tasting reception and market. The afternoon of Saturday, November 5th at Shades on State, brewing in downtown Salt Lake City. Details and tickets available at utahcheeseawards.com under the events tab. I'm Dr. Susan Madsen, founding director of the Utah Women in Leadership Project. We recently published a series of research snapshots on Utah women of color. In this next podcast episode, we'll focus on the status and experiences of Utah Asian women and the disparities in terms of education, housing, and health outcomes. We'll highlight the gender and race intersection and explore opportunities to understand and address the needs of Utah Asian girls and women. Listen now at upr.org. At Utah Public Radio, we count on contributions from listeners to bring you breaking news, coverage of world events, the environment, and everything else you hear. One way you can help is to donate a vehicle you no longer need. Thanks to Nathan Laser in Salt Lake City who recently donated a vehicle. Join Nathan and support UPR by donating the old car sitting in your garage. Learn more at upr.careasy.org. And thanks. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah today. We have a very brief uh, final segment uh, here, about uh, five minutes left in this discussion. And uh, we thank those who have uh, joined us here or are joining us. Um, Hillary Sterling with United Utah Party, Russ Hatch with Constitution Party of Utah, Barry Short, Utah Libertarian Party, and uh, Abraham Velarde from the Green Party of Utah. Uh, before I just go, a very quick um, uh, final statements from our panel. just want to thank each of you. Uh, one reaction to the today's toxicity of, uh, of the political climate uh, from some people is just to retreat. <laughs> um, you uh, folks are going the opposite direction, so, so thank you. You're involved. Um, just uh, about, uh, as I said, about four or five minutes left in the discussion. So I just want to go around the panel, starting with Hillary Sterling. 30 seconds, anything you'd like to say uh, at the end here? Open-ended. Sure, thank you. Um, so I've talked a lot about moderates today, and most of our, our, our uniters are moderates, but I just wanted to speak really briefly to that. Uh, I've heard that the uh, liberal impulse or instinct is to ask, why not? And the conservative instinct or impulse is to ask, at what cost? And the moderate instinct is to ask, or to say, we bo need both questions. So, um, as I said, we 
most of our uniters are moderates, but we are a big town party. I really appreciate what Avrian had to say about we are all Americans, we're all Utahns, we're all on the same team, and we're trying to do what we think is best for the country. Um, we, we see the world through this lens of good intentions. The, the people are trying to, the, the most people want what's best, and there's maybe differences about an opinion of how we get there, but that's where we're coming from. And so I invite you to consider the United Utah Party. Look us up at unitedutah.org. We're on social media. You can call us, email us. We'd love to talk. Let me turn next to Russ Hatch, Constitution Party of Utah. Just 30 seconds. What would you like to just say here at the end? Yeah, I think that uh, third parties definitely have a place. Uh, the Republican Party started as a third party. And see what has gone from there. Uh, the whole idea of having third parties has been in the mail for at least the past couple of decades, getting greater uh, support. The Constitution Party really wants to represent people that feel that they've lost uh, their voice, uh, they've lost uh, representation in their traditional family values, and uh, we have a place, we have a role uh, to uh, make in this uh, country. Uh, we do want to try and unify and not pull apart, uh, but we do feel we have a place and, uh, and look forward to uh, expanding our uh, position as uh, time goes forward. We turn, uh, turn next to Barry Short, to Utah Libertarian Party. Just uh, 30 seconds. What would you like to say at the end here? All right. Let me just say, you know, the slogan of the Libertarian Party used to be that our job was to keep Democrats out of your wallet and Republicans out of your bedroom. Of course, here in Utah, we need to keep Republicans out of our wallets, too. So if you're interested in learning about us, or frankly, any of the other parties that are represented on the show here today, please visit us online. You can look all of our parties up. My party's at libertarianutah.org. Uh, we also have meetups going on all around the state on a regular monthly basis. Uh, we are organizing at the county level consistently all around the state, and we have lots of opportunity for people to get involved and make a real difference. Okay, Abram Velarde, Green Party of Utah, same uh, question to you, just open-ended. What would you like to say? 30 seconds. Well, first of all, I want to thank... Uh you and, and the, my fellow panelists, uh, I really appreciate the, the opportunity here. Um, and I look forward to uh, hopefully having some collaboration with everyone in the future. Um, if you have any questions about the Green Party, you can email us at greenpartyutah at uh, gmail.com or visit us at greenpartyutah.com. Very good. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, Abram Velarde with the Green Party of Utah, thank you to you. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, Barry Short, Utah Libertarian Party, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Russ Hatch with Constitution Party of Utah. Thank you for coming on. Thank you very much for asking. Hillary Sterling, United Utah Party. Thank you to you. Appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me and for making this whole thing possible today. And uh, thanks to everybody. Uh, thanks for everybody for listening to Access Utah. We'll go out as we do uh, for the second Monday of every uh, month with uh, She Goes On with commentator Tanya Gibson. When I was in high school, I attended a back-to-school dance held in an outside open area. At one point, my friends and I were huddled next to a building talking of things teenage girls talk about when a frog leaped out of the shadows right beside us. More importantly, right beside me. Or from directly behind me. I screamed. Maybe. I think I screamed. Maybe I went silent instead, as I want to do when in a frightening situation. Either way, scream or no scream, I was scarred for life. People tend to chuckle when I mention my fear of frogs. It's such an odd fear, and because it's definitely not the norm, though I have met others who share my phobia, it catches people off guard and they are unsure how to react. My fear, however, started in the most typical fear of frog way, I think. Most people who were scared of frogs had an adverse reaction in their youth, or so I've heard. Maybe my gossip circle doesn't completely count, but I like to think that it does. Have a large leaping amphibian coming out of the dark right next to you? Frightening. And counts as a phobia origin story. This fear, now, and maybe always, includes anything that leaps. Crickets grasshoppers, which makes living in Utah in the summer a challenge, I avoid them all. 
I remember a time babysitting my sister's lizard when an entire bag of crickets was dropped and escaped into my apartment's living room, which did nothing for my fear of jumping things. I remember holding it together enough to hoarsely call for a disposable cup to be used and not one of our regular drinking glasses, so maybe it was no scream. I certainly don't remember screaming at the carpet full of crickets. And standing just out of the melee, keeping a side eye on the situation until it was once again under control. Something that took a much shorter time than I'm certain it felt at the time. All told, however, frogs are still the worst. I still struggle to look at funny videos that have the slimy green things jumping onto faces without a full body shudder. This phobia of leaping things may also go a step further and rope in anything with the element of surprise. If it wasn't that frog, which was gross and clearly behind me, making its escape then, it was the surprise of the encounter. Something I've never been fond of. Surprise parties? Count me out. On either end. Surprise gifts? Fine, but I'd rather not. I'm happy to tell you what I'd love, however. Ends of books? Better to read the end first and know what you are getting into. Manage expectations going in. Pranks? Nope, not even a little. April 1st is spent avoiding pretty much everything and muttering under my breath about how much I hate the day. I'm not entirely certain why I don't enjoy surprises or even when this started. I suspect it was early on, in a childhood with a few ups and downs and a little tension flowing as an undercurrent. Ripe for developing anxiety, the more I could nail down and control the better. The more I could plan out my future and check things off, the easier life was. The more trial I faced in all its colorful variety, the more the element of surprise became an unwelcomed guest in life. Controlled predictability became my drug of choice, my vice, my need, and finally, a defining trait. I like to plan and plot and know what will be happening from day to day. I like structure, things that are sure, routine, planning. Sometimes I wish I had this knowledge decades before. That's the wanting to know the end before we begin again. If only to have charted how this phobia of things that leap and surprise have morphed and shapeshifted as my life unfolded. The roots were ever-present, that I know, but was it always this strong? Were there times it was stronger, and when? When we moved into our home and were flanked by ponds full of croaking frogs every summer as soon as the sun started to dip, when I lost a sense of self when I was 21 and again at 24 and then 32, I wish I had known to write down, along with appointments and other lists, of how I felt when my world wobbled. But maybe I'm making too much of a leap. See what I did there? With this. Maybe frogs are frogs and structure is structure and I shouldn't be trying to make a bridge where one would be inhospitable. And really, maybe this phobia is just about crickets and grasshoppers and most definitely frogs. This is Tanya Gibson for She Goes On. Hello, listeners. I'm Shireen Gorbani, Salt Lake County Councilwoman. Join us for both sides of the aisle. This is a weekly debate over politics, policy, and big issues facing the state of Utah, featuring voices on the right, in the center, and on the left. That's me. Both Sides of the Aisle attempts to help you understand the important questions facing the residents of this state. We prove that you can still put Republicans and Democrats in a small room and have meaningful dialogue. Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. on Utah Public Radio. My name is Sally Keller. I listen to Utah Public Radio through my smartphone app as I'm riding my exercise bike. You're listening to Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSU FM Logan, and also heard at upr.org.